Hello, Anusha here. I'm speaking to you right now from October 2021, but this podcast was actually recorded in November 2020. We recorded it over Zoom during the pandemic, socially distanced. So it kind of serves as a sort of time capsule. Then we kept it in the archives for several months so that it could be released on actual Halloween because we didn't specify which Halloween. A lot has changed in the last year. Well, not enough for us to have significantly grown as people or anything, but I have Halloween plans this year. This is KPL Podcast Episode 2, Ghost Stories. I hope you like it. Hi, I'm Anusha. Hi, I'm Asha, and welcome to KPL Podcast. It was so early, the dawn broke my arm, twisted in the rosy cracks that farmers stirred to greet. My hands fell limp, it tore my nails, a crimson blush that seeped through roosters, crooning commands into the crimson clouds. So, it is November, and yet here we are on our Halloween episode. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) To be fair, I think it's okay to do a Halloween episode whenever we damn want. Because 2020 has been so goddamn scary. It is a horror show. It is a horror show. I think spooky season is just the whole goddamn year. So Spooky season started in March. (laughs) (laughs) No, spooky season started in January. Why in January? Trump nearly started World War III. Does anyone remember that? When is he not nearly starting World War III, to be fair? Just gently murdering a Iraq was it an Irani statesman or an Iraqi statesman I can't remember and that's the point this would be so much easier if you were in London and we weren't recording it over zoom oh yes it would however I'm not coming to London I value my life why (laughs) I don't know (laughs) so did you do anything for Halloween this year No, I did absolutely fuck all. (laughs) If it makes you feel better, I got dressed up to do absolutely fuck all. Ah, fantastic. (laughs) Did you see my costume? Um, I don't think I did. Wait, maybe I did. Are you familiar with the big titty goth GF? Yes, I did see it. Um, for those listening, I dressed up as big titty goth GF, except for I had a mop and marigold gloves and i took pictures of me cleaning various things so i could be big tidy goth gf big titty goth housewife no big tidy goth gf (laughs) no i branded it (laughs) i don't give a shit death of the author Ah! do you have an all-time favorite halloween costume that you've done once when i was like about 16 Someone asked me this very question, and I said, I, this was when I'd like pretty much just come out as trans. I said I was going as a pre-transition werewolf. Oof. Yeah, the, I, the I, I get it. I mean, it's, it's lame as See, shit. <laughs> I know. I didn't make it a pun. This was completely oh. non-deliberate. But they no, the found fact it really that it was funny. Deliberate makes it funny, and I still I thought, don't know why. I thought you'd like orchestrated that on purpose, so you'd have an excuse to come dressed oh, God, up as no. nothing. No, I'm, I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually very smart. I don't have that kind of foresight. <laughs> Until this year, to be fair, 
big tidy goth GFs do not have a race. But up until this year, I've tried my best to be POC costumes. Not because I think that you should stick within your race for Halloween, more because it just made it feel a little bit more authentic. Mm. So I did Crazy Eyes from Orange is the New Black. I did Moana from hit movie Moana. (laughs) I probably should have done Maui, the guy that Dwayne The Rock Johnson played, because I probably look closer to him (laughs) than I do any kind of Disney princess. That's not true. Yeah, you're right. I'd never have that muscular structure. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Nice. I asked King's College London back when spooky season was still relevant what the scariest thing you could go as for Halloween was. And boy, did they deliver. What was the top option? Uh, a screenshot sent to the person you screenshotted. <laughs> have you ever done that? No, I don't think I have. And I also disagree. I really? Yes. Why do you disagree? I like the rejected MCF. Ooh. Because, like... Have you ever had an MCF rejected? Not yet. I've had... My post-colonial theory scholars still have not responded to my MCF, which is fantastic. So that's nearly as terrifying. Oh, that's great. Nothing to add to your anxiety, like more anxiety. But like a screenshot sent to the person you screenshotted, you can kind of explain that away. It also depends. It's also relative to what was in the screenshot. However, an MCF is an MCF. There's no going back with that. All the time you lose is time you've lost. That's true. That's true. For anybody unfamiliar with mitigating circumstance form policy, you have a couple of weeks after your assignment to submit it, and then you have to suggest what kind of deadline you would like. However, the longer it takes for the MCF to be approved, the closer you get to your new deadline. And obviously you don't want to put in work for something that you're not going to get approved for, because you'll just end up Mm -hmm. getting a zero anyway. But then by the time they get back to you, you're like, ah, fuck only two days until my new proposed deadline and then you have to write another mcf and then your personal tutor personally calls you in to be like what the fuck is wrong with you and you have to be like i don't know and then they pull out your application to see how you got admitted into the university and then they realize it was all a mistake and then your life falls apart so yeah did someone say catastrophizing (laughs) catastrophizing i don't know her (laughs) Anusha's therapist just peeks around the corner. <laughs> this is not what we spoke about. I scheduled you at five tomorrow. Is that okay? Cool. Have a great podcast. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have fun, kids. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> right. I quite liked a reminder that you're paying 9k slash 18k slash 24k a year and you're voting in a poll on Facebook. Oh, uh, I mean, voting in a poll on Facebook doesn't necessarily take away or add to the fact that you're paying 9k, 18k, 24k. I think that could just stay on its own, the reminder that we're paying 9k, 18k, 24k, (laughs) especially given it's basically an online course now. That's true. Have you seen that meme that's like Netflix is... £80 a year and Disney Plus is £250 a year and 
KCL is £9,250 a year as the most expensive streaming service. That reminds me. I don't know if... I don't know if people know about this. Have you ever heard of Box of Broadcast? No. Okay, so it's basically like an archive of things that used to be broadcasted on radio and TV and shit like that. And King students can access it like it was a library. But thing is, it's not just academic stuff it's got on it. You can watch things like Shrek. You can watch like anything that's been on TV in the past. It's basically like a free Netflix that oh, we get sick. just by being students. But no can one tells all you this. Access it? Yeah. What the fuck? That's amazing. If you if you're a King student, you access it like you do JSTOR or something. That's incredible. Yeah. Um this reminds me, on JSTOR, there's not just academic literature, but there's also the Vatican's Latin version of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. So, what the fuck? <laughs> it is called Commentary di Ineptu Puero. I am astounded. <laughs> you, you've restored my faith in the world just because that exists. No one is ever saying to me that Latin is a dead language. If Diary of a Wimpy Kid is published in any language, <laughs> it cannot be regarded as a dead language. Oh, I'm trying to find what it was in Latin. Loaded Diaper was the name of Roderick's band. Yes, I found it! Subligar Infantile Spurcatum. Oh no. Got a van that says Subligar and Fantas Spurcatum on it before they play gigs. They say, everybody give it up for Subligar and Fantas Spurcatum. When I die, I want that engraved on my headstone. Everyone seems to be like, oh, a Latin phrase? She must have been really intelligent and important. And someday someone's going to look it up and it's going to be loaded diaper. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that I know this. <laughs> Thank you. See, we're sh we're sharing knowledge. Sharing knowledge. You learn something new every day at King's College London. Indeed. Box of broadcast. Latin Diruva Wimpy Kid. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. In these unprecedented times, we're relying more and more on online communication. Tone and meaning get lost so easily behind formalities and screens. At Scream Mail, we believe in clear, direct communication. We draft threatening, menacing and downright hostile emails for all of your personal and corporate needs. That bitch Leslie from next door stole the yogurts from my Tesco delivery for the last time. But I'm not a complete monster. I wanted to give her a heads up before I filled the next pot with needles. With Screamail, I avoided a lawsuit. Instead of wishing her a good weekend, my email simply wishes her luck. Thanks, Screamail. Screamail, to whom it will concern. So speaking of great literature, like Comenti di Inepto Puero, <laughs> I... For Halloween, wrote a choose-your-own-adventure on King's Pollage London. Just as a reminder for people who aren't familiar, King's Pollage London is a group where you can only post Facebook polls. So I use the poll format for people to vote on what pathway they want to choose. 
and then I would continue the story based on what option they picked. Bandersnatch style. Yeah. The way I figured it out is I did about five different stages of the story. People picked the path that they took. And then I wrote the ending to be revealed later. But before we get into that, here are the top headlines for King's College London. Today's top question, true or false, if your email ended with .co.uk when you were younger, you're a white nationalist now. There are concerns over people who could have made their email address anything, but chose to use it to be a little too proud of the United Kingdom. While some call this claim baseless and unfounded, others note that's exactly what a white nationalist would say. King's College London welcomed our new president-elect, J.E.B. Jeb. Who the fuck is Jeb? King's College London welcomed our new president-elect, Jeb! Alana McLaren asked, What's going to happen now that Brighton is president? A whole three people voted for a smooth transfer of power. Meanwhile, the top option was Trump is physically removed from the White House, closely followed by Trump comes out saying it was all a practical joke, and he can't believe the immense level of Republican stupidity. Finally, Louis Jacques, who has lived in Paris, asked what aspects of the city were missing from hit Netflix show Emily in Paris. Answers included Emily queues outside of the prefecture office for two hours at four in the morning to deliver a single document without which she can't work. Emily sees a dead pigeon and smells piss for the fifth time in 20 minutes. Emily goes on the wrong branch of the ERC and witnesses three separate drug deals in her brain carriage. This concludes our headlines for King's Paulage London. You know what? I'm actually really glad that that last poll exists because it gave rise to one of my favourite polls in the entire history of King's Paulage London. Navneet, our friend, our resident meme lord, the man, the myth, the legend, made a poll called Uno Reverse Card, what should be included for Emily à Londres, or Emily in London? And the top option was Emily gets told to fuck off because she's French. I mean, that would be the general standard exactly. British response. It's perfect. It's so accurate. <laughs> um, do you have favourites on this poll? Do I have favourites on this poll? That's a very good question. There is Emily eats £8 baguettes at Pratt. Emily wastes £70 at Winter Wonderland. That is indeed true. Oh, wait, I know what my favourite is. What is it? Emily walks through Lewisham at 3am and displays expensive items on her person. She is mugged in an alleyway and receives GBH's injury. That's my (laughs) favourite. It's so specific. There's a whole... Exactly, there's a whole category of like really specific ones. It's so specific and it's so true. Emily arrives in the UK after January 2021 and arrives without a valid visa. She is deported on a home office chartered night flight to Lyon. Ah, nice. (laughs) Emily fails to present a valid ticket for National Rail Service and is ejected at Platform 2 of Gatwick Airport and is fined £90. Emily takes a wrong turn on a Buckingham Palace tour and is arrested for treason on account of trying to access the Queen's living quarter. (laughs) Emily is arrested for carrying pepper spray contrary to Section 5 of the Firearms Act 1968 and is bailed to return for further questioning. 
<laughs> Emily Alonso's is a really intense show. In between being arrested and being kicked off trains, there's also Emily goes bowling in Elephant and Castle Shopping Centre. Nice. <laughs> Even more intense than Die Hard. <laughs> Emily calls 61016 sorted over a Hello Kitty backpack left on the tube. Nice. <laughs> Thank you, I wrote that one. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to pick a backpack, you'd pick a Hello Kitty backpack. It's so inconspicuous. And yet, so conspicuous at the same time. <laughs> Hiding in plain sight, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, some of these are just really violent. Like, Emily gets stabbed in correlation with rising knife crime in London. Or, Emily tries to take a picture of the Strand and gets I... hit by the 188 bus. <laughs> Why specifically the 188? <laughs> it's the most reckless one. Is it? Yeah, 188 knows no master. If it wants to just sit in the middle of the road for 10 minutes for no reason, it will. If it wants to mow over pedestrians wearing stupid fucking hats, it'll do that too. The one would never. The 188 knows no god. Does the 188 also run over pedestrians without stupid looking hats? I don't know. What if I wear a stupid looking hat and you don't wear a stupid looking hat and then we try to take a picture of the strand and see which one the 188 hits? That's a good, that's a good... Shout. Although we need a bigger sample than just two of us. You know, any any scientist knows that you need as big a sample as possible. How many people must die for science? <laughs> My favourites, though, are probably either Emily uploads a picture of five random guys and tags One Direction, or Emily's token non-white side characters get stopped and searched by the Met Police. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that hits. <laughs> that that uh, strikes a chord. I'm just imagining Lily Collins taking selfies while her friends are getting harassed in the background. <laughs> it's so the, awful, but it's so. Awful. See, that's the that's the poster shot. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the the defining image. You and your white friend go to see Emily Alondres and you come out of it and you're like, oh my God. And they're like, oh my God. And at the same time as you say that was harrowing, they say that was so funny. <laughs> That's how you break up a friendship. <laughs> That's how you find out that your friend had .co.uk at the end of their email as a teenager. <laughs> Multiple people have called this poll in particular the best poll of the year. But if you like that Navneet content, you're going to love another 30 Seconds to Navneet installment. Here he is. And I'm back on my World War I recording device to quote one of the hosts from last week. So I guess the scariest thing about becoming a meme is when you meet someone for the very first time and their first reaction is, oh, so you're Navneet. And it's scary because they seem to know every single thing about me, whereas I don't even know who they are. And it's also scary because it seems like I've disappointed yet another person by my presence, which is not great. Not at all. So, Asher, you didn't actually read the Choose Your Own Adventure as it was being released, did you? I mean... I skimmed over them, but I got confused about the order. 
Because my brain doesn't work properly. That's okay. Does anyone? I mean, I was going to say, imagine having a brain in the first place. You're already a whole step ahead of me. I mean, yeah. But that means they're going to be seeing these relatively fresh. Yes. Excellent. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. (laughs) I'm excited for me. So, installment number one. (laughs) You wake up, you have no idea whether or not there's a lockdown. When you try to Google for answers, the screen goes hot. Too hot against your fingers. It begins to hurt to type. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Do you either put your phone down and step outside for answers? Mm-hmm. Do you put your phone down and stay inside, content with not knowing? Or do you keep trying to type anyway? Hmm. How hot are we talking? Too hot. <laughs> but how hot is too hot? Hot, but too much. I suspect you want me to go outside. I mean, it's up to you. Mm. I mean, I probably would go outside if there was literally no other way for me to find out about the world. Nobody actually voted keep trying to type anyway, which I was a little bit surprised about. I thought people would... Probably because they'd they'd burn (laughs) their fingers off. Maybe. That's maybe what I would have written. I just thought people would be like, fuck this. Fuck the new iPhone. I do what I want. Fuck you. But no, the most people put put your phone down and step outside for answers. However, a surprising number of people put stay inside content with not knowing. See, but that doesn't sound intuitive. Because, like, if you can't use your phone, if you can't use anything digital, how the fuck are you going to study? Do you think people study when there's a lockdown? I do. Well, I'm really happy for you and your life that's completely put together and your academic success. Oh, honey, no. (laughs) No, I study to avoid my problems. Great. So absolutely nobody is happy. The world is miserable. Thanks for listening to our podcast. (laughs) Since most people voted put your phone down and step outside for answers, that's what happened in installment number two. You don a mask and step outside. It's late morning, but you immediately notice how dark everything is. Every colour is dimmed, choked. You rub your eyes, but everything remains dim. The sky is clear, but not backlit. The streets are empty by London standards. The occasional passerby does not look at you, as expected. You assume a lockdown, but every shop is open, completely empty, but open. Do you go to South Bank, or do you go to Camden Market? South Bank. You said that in... Can't be asked to go to Camden. <laughs> to be fair. I was living in SSA. I can't be fucked to walk to Camden. Assuming that location was not an issue, if you could choose to either walk alongside the river with the open air and the pretty lights, or if you choose to walk alongside Camden with the cool street art and the twisty tight alleyways. See, South Bank has seen the best and the worst of me. I'm obviously going to pick <laughs> South Bank. Always. I'm actually a little bit surprised that more people didn't pick Camden Market. because Camden Market's trash. There's too many people. Although, lockdown, so there's not going to be that many people. Exactly, mm. it's completely empty. That's why I was surprised actually, that, pe- that people didn't pick it. Realistically, I might take the opportunity to explore new places. Yep, what better time when everything's dark? Mm. <laughs> you'd, you'd die first in a horror movie, Asher. I'd... 
We don't know that there's Everything's danger yet. It's dark and spooky, and you're like, time for a motherfucking picnic. I could have just forgotten my glasses. <laughs> it could just be nighttime. The sky is clear. It's late morning. It specifically says late morning. It could be winter. <laughs> but even then. There are many it options. It could be Britain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sidewalk. Thunder piles its slow needles, gold, mass, amassing on the concrete, lay in the static stasis of my chilled refrigerated beat. Rolling eyes defy some stinging orage and blur like shoes do, besides my barefoot quarantine. So what do you think was picked, South Bank or Camden Market? I think maybe South Bank, seeing as many people live near there. You'd be correct. I'm a little bit surprised that people took fictional proximity into account and not, I mean, I can go anywhere in this fictional story. If you're, if you're given the option, you're like, hmm, what would I realistically do? Cause that, I guess, I guess. In lieu of all other options, you're going to pick what comes intuitively. <laughs> so you're right, it was an overwhelming option towards South Bank, which leads us on to part three. South Bank is empty. You've seen it dormant before, but never dead. It is the middle of the- That's bollocks. I've seen it dead. Well, obviously, (laughs) the fictional character in this fictional story that is meant to represent you has never seen it dead. I've never seen you dead, but there's a first time for everything. (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry sorry let me just rewrite this story south bank is empty you've seen it empty sometimes but this time it's a different kind of empty happy satisfied do you feel more immersed into the story yes great i'm really happy for you thank you All right, spooky voice, spooky voice. <laughs> Stop laughing. I'm trying to be spooky. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? The most scary thing that could have happened on this spooky, scary episode is Asher derailing my fucking vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Asher failed the vibe check. <laughs> I'll stop being a bastard. South Bank is empty. You've seen it empty before, but never empty like this. It is the middle of the day, but the trees cast no shadows. The lights are on, but emit no brightness. Your eyes can't focus in the gloom, and you wonder if anything is tethering you to your surroundings. A tightness in your stomach threatens to rise to your chest. The feeling reminds you of being a child grappling with your first adult difficulty. You brand it as juvenile and try to shake it off. It remains. There's two options. The river is never still, right? You walk along the Thames. Or the shops are open. 
Perhaps they'll be bright. You walk towards Yo Sushi. I don't think there is a Yo Sushi on South Bank. There is. That's why I wrote it in. Is there? Yeah. Guess I'll go fuck myself then. <laughs> Instead of fucking yourself, <laughs> why don't you go either to the Thames or to Yo Sushi? <laughs> Can I do both? Walk along the Thames to Yo Sushi? No. Wait, no, do you mean the one across, like, Waterloo Bridge? No, I mean the one on South Bank. I haven't been in London for so long, Jesus Christ. <sighs> for all our Out of London listeners, there is, in fact, a Yo Sushi on South Bank. <laughs> I'm a very realistic person. <laughs> I know. I'm like, hmm, geography, let's go. Um, I think most people voted for the Thames. They did. Um, but what would you pick? It depends what you're looking for, I guess. Either movement mm-hmm. or brightness. Whether the darkness or the stillness freaks you out more. I mean, I reckon I'd pick Yo Sushi because if the shops are open, there's probably a person running the shop. So there's probably someone I can speak to that tells Fair enough, me. But what it the did fuck say earlier on that all the shops that you saw previously were empty. So unless Yo Sushi was some strange exception. But then how are they open? Do you want to Who find out? Who opened them? I mean, I do, but I'm not going to be able to, because that's not the ending. You're right, because most people picked walking along the Thames. Silly buggers. Yeah, I was kind of hoping they'd pick Yosushi, honestly. Yeah. That's okay. See, KPL listeners, you'll fail. <laughs> <laughs> If you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, you'll know that there's a very specific pathway as a dungeon master that you'll want your your players to take. And if you don't, if they don't take it, it's fine because you're the DM. You know you're supposed to evolve with the story. You have a backup plan, and if you don't, you're really good at making one up on the spot. But they've really disappointed you. Mm. For a second, you question if it was all worth it putting all this effort in for people who are just going to make bad choices. <laughs> Democracy is a failed system of government. Silence shrouds the bank like mist. You try to lean over the barrier to look at the water. It is completely still. You start to realise that you can see more in the dimness than you anticipated. A mottled hand breaks the surface of the water. You gasp, and your mask sucks to the inside of your mouth. When you finish coughing, it's gone. The surface looks undisturbed. Two options. What the fuck was that? Down the stairs to the riverbank. Or, you want to go home. You leave the river. You don't realise that you've started running until you feel your heart slam against your ribcage. I'm going home. Yeah? Realistically, yeah. You don't want to see what just broke its way out of the surface of the water? No, because I don't want to drown. Don't drown then, it's that simple. Don't have depression, Anusha. It's that simple. It is that simple. Yeah. Meditate. Yeah. Drink more water. Oh, wait, you'll drown. A lot of people really, really wanted to go home, actually. People were commenting, like, what the fuck are people doing? We need to go home. But the majority voted for, what the fuck was that? Go down the stairs to the riverbank. See, they're just begging for the end. Aren't we all in this economy? Mm, To be fair. (laughs) (laughs) this is the final chapter that we posted in advance the ending will be revealed later on this podcast 
But here's chapter five. The dimness grows as you stumble down the steps to the bank. The closer you get, the more figures you think you see swarming in the murkiness. You blink. They vanish. You blink. They return. You see her when you reach the bank. She can't be older than ten, clawing desperately at the surface. Her mouth is locked open in a silent, desperate plea. You blink. She remains. Either you step back from the bank, the sun remains, the sky gets darker, you leave the girl to whatever lurks in the water, or you start to run to help her into the water. It feels normal, but it's like running through thick mud. You keep going. I am leaving the girl. I am absolutely leaving the girl. The, f- the first thing they teach you about first aid is don't put yourself at risk. Like, I'm not going to dive into the Thames to save a random ten-year-old. I'm calling the Coast Guard or really? whoever deals with that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> like, no. Like, no one would actively just, like, stroll into the Thames to save a random ten-year-old. Whether or not all this creepy shit was happening, that's just not what you do. I mean, if we're talking about realistic stuff, the sky is really dark and there's no shadows and there's no brightness coming from any of the lights. Um, hands coming from the water and shit and shapes disappear realism aside this isn't really a realistic story so people aren't always going to do the most realistic thing well maybe they deserve to drown wait so you're telling me asher (laughs) that in a scenario where you see completely empty shops and a dark sky and hands clawing their way through the surface of the thames you're still going to be in the frame of mind where you're like call the coast guard you're willing to tell me the, there is no light, the world is shrouded in darkness, and you would walk into the Thames to save a random ten-year-old. Well, I mean, isn't our humanity the only thing we have left? Which is why you call the Coast Guard. Because otherwise, chances are the both of you are going to die. <laughs> I'm increasingly sceptical of the majority of people who decided to run into the Thames to help her. (laughs) To be fair, yeah. That is what the option was. And that is how the story ended. Until now. Before we conclude this story, we are once again playing a song produced by a KCL student. This is Ghosts by Ever Ever. Haunted by ghosts, ghosts of a person that I once was Ghosts of the people who knew me as another People who left just because The ones I thought I knew and I didn't And those that still will go 
ironic cause the ghosts won't go I've always dreamt of disappearing Cutting my hair and taking off With no warning and living A new life, a new city I think of it when things get tough But an old song taught me Your old self always catches up and the ghosts in every corner These ghosts don't know when to give up to get my attention but the lights on and nobody's in this flat is so empty without you and it never felt like home with the ghosts in every corner with the ghosts in every old ghosts in every corner they watch me pack up my things and go are you ready for the end of the story yes good where <laughs> where were we the dimness is growing um and you're having to decide whether to run to help the little girl who is drowning in the very deep, very dangerous Thames when lifeguard should be right fucking there, <laughs> or to step back from the bank and to do the sensible thing, which is to call the people who are sensible to actually do the work to help her. 
I mean, in fairness, it doesn't really give you that option. The options are save her or leave her to die. Well, if someone can't think of this for themselves... <laughs> I need to stop being mean to the KPL listeners. I'm so sorry, all of you. Yeah, to be fair... <laughs> I probably should have picked a less literal person to do this Absolutely. podcast with. I am vastly <laughs> too autistic for this. You don't have an excuse. I'm autistic too. I... It's a spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) Two neurodiverse people walk into the bar and they walk out arguing over a podcast. (laughs) Two autistic people walk into a bar. Ouch. (laughs) Two autistic people walk into a bar at the end of this podcast. Two autistic people walk into a bar. One of them was holding the bar in front of the other. (laughs) Two autistic people walk into a bar, they get sensory overload and go home. (laughs) (laughs) Especially after the first one hits them over the head with the second. With the second autistic person. Fantastic. (laughs) I love this. This is the representation I dreamed of. (laughs) Absolutely. So... To properly recap, we ended with people trying to run into the water to save the girl. The water feels normal, but it's like running through thick mud. They keep going. You ready for the ending? Yes. Each step takes more effort as you force your way through the murkiness. You struggle on deeper and deeper into the river. The water begins to overwhelm you. It soaks first through your mask and then into your mouth and you gag as the silt hits the back of your throat. As you near her, you get a closer look at the girl. Her olive skin is tinged with blue. There's still something behind her eyes, but it's fading and every muscle in her face and arms and hands is beginning to drift towards a slack resignation. The water stings your eyes. You blink. She disappears, but so does everything else. You blink again. It's all returns. Finally, finally you reach her. You grab her hand and the weight sends you plunging towards the riverbed. It feels like she is dragging you down, but when you try to pull yourselves to the surface, she does not resist. The water is so cold it feels like it is burning and so, so dark. You can't tell if the black leaking into your vision comes from the depths or from your lungs. You try to break the surface of the water, but the surface pushes you back down. Desperate, you try again, and again, it resists. The girl is slipping from your grasp. You flail wildly, your stomach knotting and unknotting as you try to comprehend what was once open to you now being sealed shut. You try to comprehend the fact that in these final chilling moments you are entirely alone. You try to comprehend that even if you could scream, in the thick, silent water, not even your own ears would hear you. And with your final, slowed swipe at the surface, the water stretches against your fingertips, clinging to them, coating them. And then you're out, and you're breathing, and she's coughing and wheezing, thick, gelatinous water struggles from her lungs, but she's breathing, breathing, rappling, raspy breaths, but breathing nonetheless. 
She won't respond to anything you try to say to her, but clings to your shoulders as you claw your way back to the bank. The weight of two people against the weight of the water threatens to drag you back to the depths, but soon you feel gravel against your skin and you beat yourselves on the bank. Standing on the steps is an immaculately dressed man. He is the first person you've seen above the surface since he woke up. He stares at you for just a moment before approaching you with smooth steps. Come with me, please, he says. He has to say it several times before it registers. Who are you, you pants? I'm a lockdown officiant for central London. As of midnight last night, London entered a total lockdown. You had plenty of warning and this is a clear and flagrant violation. Come with me, please. You lean up on your elbows and wave wildly at the still dim sky at those girls still lying next to you. The man's lips stretch into a thin smile. We have so much more control than you'd think, he murmurs. So much more power. There's no better time to test it than when nobody is around to believe any witnesses. The girl starts to wheeze again as he pulls you both to your feet. As he escorts you both up the steps, you try to explain everything, the shapes in the water, the girl in the depths, but he holds a finger up to silence you. You don't have to explain anything to me. He smiles his thin, cold smile. You weren't the only one breaking the rules today. Who do you think left her in the river? Pinocchio had the plague. Mummy closes the door behind her as she does every day. Daddy won't be back for a while, she says. Walks over to where I lay. It is summer, but I'm shivering. She asks me to pray. Her cold caress contests my closing eyes and bids me sleep. Sleep until I am strong again, alive and a real boy again. No more sickly wooden tint on my nose. Growing longer, more morose, and you might think how a boy, little, real, wooden, solemn, sick, can feel. Alas, that night a sweet song drew the curtains round my room, let it open, asked my heart to shake, and moon, moon, I looked up and it was shivering. It contested my mummy's cold caress, contest, someone unfamiliar's conquest. That sickly tune grew clear and sweeter, and I rose right out of bed, and there I looked, and boys, real, caressed, protected from their shivers, drew the curtains behind the line that was growing away from mummy, and, like a mouse, timid, scared, but Nonetheless prepared, that sweet song took me away. That was our delayed Halloween episode of KPL Polcast. My name's Anusha. And I'm Asha. We hope you survive the rest of 2020. That was episode two, Ghost Stories of KPL Polcast. KPL Podcast is written and presented by students of King's College London. Your hosts today were Anusha Okai and Asher Gibson. Music was Ghosts by Ever Ever, and poetry was written and narrated by Karen Inouye. You can find everyone on our Instagram, 
at KPL Podcast.